Well, good morning, folks. I'm Pastor Allen. It's good to see everyone. Um, we teach in series normally, and the series we're in now is decoding faith, figuring out what faith really is. There's kind of this nebulous idea in church what faith is. We understand faith out in the real world. <laughs> I believe something. I have evidence to believe something. Well, it's no different. We're teaching that's no different in a religious realm, in church realm. Today's topic is carry on and That'll make sense in a couple of minutes. I want to start off with a question, <clears throat> a little bit convicting. Have you ever been in a situation where religious rules or traditions got in the way of compassion or love? Maybe you saw this. Maybe you were on the receiving end of this. Someone mistreated you in the name of Jesus. Or maybe you mistreated somebody. Um, Jesus had a neat illustration to, to describe this. He said, don't be so concerned about the speck in your neighbor's eye, the shortcoming in your neighbor's eye, even the sin in your neighbor's eye, when you have a log in your own eye. We all have plenty of stuff to work on on ourselves. We don't need to be picking on other people. And we're going to find, if you haven't, don't know already, Jesus didn't like folks like this. Jesus didn't mind hanging out with the worst, quote-unquote, sinners, but the people that did this, we call them legalists. In the Bible, often they're called Pharisees, religious leaders, Jewish religious leaders. Jesus didn't like them. He had a hard time with them. The reason he didn't like them because he wasn't like him. And we're not like Jesus when we're like this. And I've been guilty of this in the past, hopefully not so much recently, um, really have to fight against the, the tendency to want to be, quote-unquote, a legalist. That's what we're going to talk about today in the story we're going to cover. <clears throat> now, quick review. In this series, we've been talking about becoming a uh, Jesus follower. And we're looking at the disciples, especially John. Disciples did not follow Jesus because of faith. Some nebulous Jesus said, you just got to believe. Follow because of what they saw and heard. And we're on week three, and we saw Jesus at a happy occasion, a wedding, and then we saw Jesus with a, a, a man whose son was dying last week, and today's is going to be a, a kind of a negative situation also that Jesus steps in. And John says, I'm running these stories not just because they're cool stories, but I have an agenda. I have a purpose for writing those. And we, we look at the end of John, these next couple of verses, we looked at, this is what this, John tells us, why he wrote it. Uh, disciples saw Jesus do many miraculous signs. We call them miracles. He called them signs. That they point to something. And he didn't include them all, but in addition to the ones recorded in this book. And we're looking at the ones he recorded. The ones he recorded, he says, but these are written. This is why I included these. So you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. That's what they point to. The reason I wrote, wrote these down is because they point to this guy, Jesus, the guy I got to hang out with, to follow, that he truly is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that believing in him, you will have life by the power in his name. Now, I saw it firsthand. I am encouraging you to believe because of what I saw. And we believe all kinds of stuff that we haven't seen. 
all past history, we believe. We didn't, none of us have seen it. Uh, there's things going on all over the world we haven't seen, we believe. So this, we do this all the time. And he says, well, this should be more than enough evidence for you to believe that this guy Jesus, who lived 2,000 years ago, was truly the Messiah. That was huge for them. And in his name, you have life and the power of his name. And John talks a lot about life, eternal life, spiritual life. Now, we're saying there's seven signs. We're going to take seven weeks to look at these miraculous signs. And there's a lot of people, there's even other religions that believe Jesus was a good guy, a good teacher. You, you, you can't do that. If you truly read what Jesus said about himself, you only have three options called in the three L's, and not original with me. He was either a liar, and there's been lots of people going and say, hey, I'm the Messiah, come look at me, come follow me. They weren't the Messiah. They're liars. Or he was a lunatic. He was just crazy. I mean, you got to be crazy. If, if, if I said I was the Messiah, you'd all think I was crazy, right? Or the third L stands for Lord. Or he's, he's telling the truth. He truly is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, the other interesting thing as we're reading John is that Jesus keeps traveling back and forth from the south down by Jerusalem up, up to the north where he grew up in the area of Galilee. So we'll show you the map again real quickly, I think. <laughs> yeah, there it is. And Jerusalem's down here just at the top, just the left, the top of the Dead Sea. Now, Jerusalem's significant. That's the center of Judaism. And Jesus was a Jew. This is huge. So he would travel down there, and he would always get in trouble often get in trouble. It was dangerous down there. He's up here in Galilee. So week one, we saw he's in Cana. Then between week one and week two, the second miracle, he went down to Jerusalem, then he went back to Cana and healed the, the sick boy. And now he's traveled back down to Jerusalem, as we read in chapter five. So let's get started. So after some of these other things, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Now, they had multiple holidays like we do. It probably wasn't the Passover. That was their biggie, like our biggie's Christmas. Theirs was Passover. Uh, I would have said Passover. So it's one of the other uh, religious holidays. We actually were in Jerusalem during the Passover last year. And it's like a week long. I don't know how long this festival was, but he traveled that three or four day trip <laughs> down to Jerusalem you know, by foot, probably sleeping under the stars, no hotels, etc., to be there. So it was significant, important, he made the, they made the trip. So inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, there's different gates around the city, was a pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. So this was an area where you could get uh, shelter from the, from the weather, from the sun, etc. Uh, <clears throat> now, we're going to read, there's a bunch of sick people there, and these guys, these folks were desperate. They didn't have emergency care. <laughs> they didn't have hospitals. They had very few doctors, and doctors didn't know much. Interesting fact was doctors were not allowed to examine dead bodies. So how were they going to hone their craft and figure out how to be better doctors without doing that? Either Jewish or Greek doctors weren't allowed to touch dead bodies. So doctors for the rich, and they really weren't much help. So when you got sick, you were just sick. Hopefully you got well. And so there's this crowd, and it's very chaotic, and people are going to find that people are there for a long time, day after day. <clears throat> and uh, so we're going to pick it up in verses 3 through 5. Verse 4 is considered not probably the most authentic text, so we skip verse 4. 
Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. So it's just not a few people, there's a lot of people, a lot of sick people. We're going to find out why they laid there in a few minutes. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. We don't know when he got sick, probably as an adult, so he's probably more like 50 years old, which is old in that culture, and he'd been sick for 38 years, long time. And um, Jesus is going to come and ask him a question, and we're going to think it's kind of silly, and I'm going to challenge you. In fact, we're going to camp here a little bit for a second, so we can... Go forward and read the verse and then come back, please. (laughs) When Jesus saw him, the man who had been sick for 38 years, he knew he'd been ill for a long time. He asked him, would you like to get well? And I don't think he shouted this. I think he maybe whispered it to him because there's a lot of sick people around. Uh, Do you really want to get well? Seems kind of silly, doesn't it? Well, why would he ask that question? Well, I've been in ministry a long time and some of you... uh, Probably all of you have experienced this. You've met sick people that don't want to get well, whether it's physically sick, uh, mentally sick, some kind of addiction, uh, financially sick, spiritually, definitely spiritually sick, right? So the question is, why not? Why would you not want to get well? Why don't you want your relationship to get well? Why not? The only answer I can come up with is this. It's harder than staying sick. It's harder than than staying the way I I am. I'll give you a personal illustration. (laughs) Most of you know I run. Most of you consider that hard. Uh, You don't run. You wouldn't do it. Well, experts tell you you basically need to do two things physically. Aerobic exercise, that's why I run, and strength training. You know how much strength training I do? I don't do any. (laughs) Zero. Why not? Because it's so, to me, it's so tedious. It's so just boring. It's just, it's hard. So I don't do it. (laughs) I know I should do it, but I don't do it. So why don't people get well uh, financially? We're just teaching financial peace. Why do people spend more money than they make? Because it's hard to spend less money than you make, isn't it? It's hard to deny yourself the things you want. (laughs) It's hard. Why do people eat things they shouldn't eat and eat more? Most of us eat more than we should. That's probably our biggest problem. Because it's harder to push away from the table, isn't it? Spiritually, most of you are Jesus followers. If you're not, we're delighted that you're here. We're sure we can, uh, what Jesus teaches will be helpful to you. But why, why doesn't everybody believe in Jesus? Because it's hard. It's hard to sacrifice the, life, the lifestyle that they have. They don't want to give it up. They don't want to pay the price. It's hard. They don't want to sacrifice. I like the word healthy. When it really, is, your, is your financial situation healthy? Are, are your relationships healthy? There's no perfect anything. So he asked the man. <laughs> and we can go to that verse again. I might say it this way. Do you really want to get well? Now, here's another thing. Jesus never imposes will on anybody, does he? He kind of pokes us sometimes, but he doesn't, he doesn't force us to do anything. So, he's asking. And so, this is so important about this area of getting well. 
you honor God, I truly believe, you honor God, you honor yourself, and you honor the people that love you. Next slide, please. If you'll get help and get well, if you do the hard thing, if you pay the price, if you'll have the discipline, if you make the sacrifice. So he asked the man, so what's the man say? He said, I can't get well. His philosophy theory was, there's only one way for me to get well, get into the pool. And he says that. For I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. I think it's more superstition than anything else, but they believe, and um, experts tell us that where the pool is, and we were actually saw the location when we were in Jerusalem last year, uh, had, a, had a spring, and it would bubble up. They believe the first person, I don't know why, just the first person, that got in, that's why I believe it's a superstition, the first person gets in, gets well, nobody else does. And since he couldn't move very well, he, he, 38 years, he never managed to get in there first. Now, I think it's really an awful scene. Society, people didn't go there. Nobody would want to go there. Uh, a lot of sick people around, a lot of desperate people. Some of them maybe stayed there. Someone would go home at night, come back. Um, we don't often think about the smell. Uh, one thing about going into places of sickness is the smell, isn't it? And people would die. I assume officials would come by, government officials, and pick up the dead people and take them away periodically, maybe daily. So it's just not a very pleasant place. And this man had been there 30 eight years. And I can't get well because nobody will put me in. I believe, obviously, people probably drown. I'm sure they saw people not get well. I don't know why, but when you're desperate, you're desperate. And that was the situation. So Jesus takes the initiative, we're going to see. He says, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, when Jesus says something, what? It happens, right? Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Hey, this is pretty cool. This walk starts walking off. 38 years. But, okay, but he had stirred up a hornet's nest. And we're going to, well, for two reasons. We're going to see why. The miracle happened on the Sabbath. For a Jew, it would be Friday night to Saturday night, Friday evening, sundown. So the Jewish religious leaders, Jewish leaders, objected. Why would they object? Because this was considered work. Healing somebody is work. You don't work on the Sabbath. Consequently, this was wrong. It was wrong to heal someone that had been sick for 38 years. It's kind of hard to comprehend, isn't it? As we read the story, we're going to find out, then he goes to the temple. Now, this is pretty cool. He hadn't been to the temple for 38 years. <laughs> In his condition, he wasn't allowed to go. He probably went when he was young, and this would have been such a glorious thing for him. Not be able to go to church, we would say church, for 38 years, and now I get to go, maybe to make a sacrifice, certainly thank God for his healing. That's what he wanted to do. But the religious leaders would be around, and one of their major responsibilities, or they thought it was, was to police people and make sure they weren't breaking the rules. Now, I had a little personal experience with this. I said last year this time, or in April, we were in 
in, in Jerusalem, Israel. And the, the day we went to the Holy Mount, that's where the temple used to be. It's not there now. Um, there's 30-some of us, 30-couple of people. I was the only one. It was warm, so I wore shorts. Nobody else wore shorts. They, evidently, everybody else knew. I didn't know. So I get to the place to go in. They won't let me in. Looking at my bear, you can't go in. But they didn't stop me from going in. Here's what they did. They gave me some clothes to wear. So if you've never seen your pastor in a skirt, now you have. <laughs> and so I had to walk all around the, the, the temple mount looking like that. It's kind of the joke of the day for, for, the, for, the, for the group. But they had a rule that you couldn't bare your legs, men or women. You think God cared? I don't think God cared, but they care. And so I was uh, uh, guilty of breaking one of the rules, or potentially. So, anyway, back to our story. So they said to the man, he was cured, he's religious leaders, which, you know, it's, been the, it's on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry the sleeping mat. So we're not even going back to being cured. The fact that he was carrying the mat. He was breaking the Sabbath. Now, the, Jew, the Jews had over 600 rules. They had 39 categories of laws that you couldn't, or couldn't do or wouldn't, shouldn't do about the Sabbath. Not 39 laws, 39 categories of laws simply about breaking the Sabbath. Mind-boggling. So, of course, they're referring to one of the Ten Commandments, right? And it's in Exodus 20, verse 8, says, remember to observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now, what was God's intent? God's intent was for you and I to take a break from our labor, not take a break from loving people, right? Uh, they seem to, to lose that. So, I put on your outline... When what's best for people is no longer what's most important to you and to me, you are at odds with God. Obviously, since Jesus performed this miracle, he wasn't at odds with God, but he was odds with the religious leaders. And when you and I, you and I get in that, in that position, we're at odds with God. Now, this is hard to see in ourselves. See in a mirror. So, when I read this statement, when it's best for people, it's no longer what's most important to you. You're at odds with God. Who'd you think about? See, I can prove this to you. You thought about somebody else, right? Politics is like crazy nowadays, right? So, only if those Democrats, or if only those Republicans, or if only, you know, whatever... If only those Catholics, or if only those Pentecostals, if only... <laughs> but what? No, no, no. This is about you and me. And John three sixteen is the most famous verse for a good reason. For God so loved the world. What does the world mean? Rocks and trees. Ah, it means people. So God loves people. What people? Just Jewish people? No, all people. So if God loves all people, who are you and I supposed to love? All people. And I know my Bible pretty well, and I can find a Bible verse that, that seems to support me mistreating somebody, 
in the name of Jesus. It's like I said, I've done that. Maybe you've done that. So Jesus said, hey, I'm going to do, with all, do away with all the loopholes. And what did he tell us? Love one another just as I loved you. All right? You can spend all your time and energy just working on that one. <laughs> you don't have to worry about these details. So, back to our story. But when he, rep- he replied, the man who told me, I don't know who he was. This guy just told me, pick up your mat and walk. And I did it. So, I had two options. I could ignore him and stay here laying by the pool for the next 38 years. Or I could get up. I opted for getting up. You and I would too, right? Even if it is the Sabbath. Did I deserve it? Probably not. He gave me what I didn't deserve. He gave me healing. We're going to find out they're going to accuse him of sinning. So who said such a thing as that? Who was this guy that said, get up and walk? Man didn't know. Because Jesus healed him and it just took off, disappeared. Now their thinking was, well, this wasn't life-threatening. He could have waited till tomorrow. <laughs> All right, 38 plus years plus one, I guess. Um, if you can get healed today, you want to wait till tomorrow? I don't. Now, <clears throat> this next verse, let me warn you ahead of time, is a little disturbing, a little confusing. Experts debate what it actually means. I'm going to give you a different interpretation I came across that makes sense to me. Um, Let's read it, and we'll try and figure it out. Afterwards, Jesus found him at the temple. So that's how we knew he went to the temple. Jesus went to the temple. They ran into each other. He says, now you are well, obviously, right? Now, this next part is the part that's disturbing, confusing. So he says to this guy, who stopped sinning. Well, what sin was he doing? Carrying the mat? Jesus told him to do that. Did Jesus tell him to sin? What, what had he done? Had he sinned to, to lay there for 38 years? Well, this is going to be very confusing because a couple of weeks, Jesus is going to heal a blind man and the disciples thought and they're thinking, you were sick because you sinned. And they're going to ask Jesus, why is this man blind? Either he sinned or his parents sinned. If you're a pregnant lady and you sin, you're your, your, your fetus, your baby's already a sinner. Uh, that was their belief. So, Jesus certainly wasn't teaching that, because he contradicted it later. And then he says, or something worse could happen to you. What could be worse? I mean, he could die, maybe that's worse. Now, you could make this spiritual and say, well, well spiritual death would be worse. But he seems to be a believer, He's going to the temple... So here's an interpretation I came across that I just love. You can take it or leave it. Maybe it was more like this. Now you're well, so you better stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. My wife said, could Jesus be sarcastic? I think so. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that makes sense to me. Theologically, that makes sense to me. Like I said, take it or leave it. So, when you and I choose to follow Jesus, something happens to us. Religion, religious rules, lose their grip on us. What I mean by this is fear. People live with this fear. If I do this, God's going to zap me. 
If I do this, God's not going to like me. God's not going to love me. He's going to punish me. Something bad's going to happen to me. When something bad happens to me, uh uh-oh, what did I do? No, 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 no. When you come to Jesus, Father, that goes away. And guilt. Yeah, you know, I did this thing 30 years ago. I shouldn't have done. I still feel guilty about it. No, 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 no. When you're Jesus' follower, God takes away the fear, takes away the guilt. So now the healed man knows that who healed him was this guy named Jesus, right? (laughs) So he goes back to the people that asked, well, who healed you? So the man went back and told the Jewish religious leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. So now he's diverting attention from himself, right? All right, he's in trouble for carrying his mat. This Jesus guy is in trouble because he healed. He's the one that initiated this. He's the one that healed this guy on the Sabbath. So they began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. Was he breaking the Sabbath rules? No, of course not. They were their rules, not the Sabbath rules. Their Sabbath rules. Now, you think Jesus just took it? Most of you know enough about Jesus. Say, no, no, Jesus is going to push back, right? And it's just so brilliant how he pushes back. They're theological people, so he gives them a little theology. He says, my father is always working, and so am I. What do you mean your father's always working? You ever want God to stop working? There are millions of people praying 24-7, expecting God to listen and answer, right? Do we want God to take a break? Anybody? No. Does God take a break? No. So God's always working. He's always at work around us and in us and through us. So since I'm God, that's what he's saying, this is going to get him in bigger trouble. <laughs> so I'm always working. So then it, that's where, where the, 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 the story goes next. So they tried all the harder to find a way to kill him, which is bizarre to me. That's one of the Ten Commandments, right? That's one of those big no-nos. But the problem was, as it says here, not only broke the Sabbath, he called himself God his Father, therefore making himself equal with God, which was blasphemy, blasphemy and blasphemy was <laughs> punishable by death. So they had a theological reason to want to kill him. But again, it's not about what he did, it's about who he said he was. He said he was God. Again, he's either a liar, a lunatic, or he was God. So we're just... One more verse here. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. What the father does, the son also does. I, you know, I do good. So another interesting thing here is Jesus is saying to these folks, do you want to know what God is really like? Just watch me. Just look at me. Just listen to me. He's saying, I'm God. Old Testament, God's a little confusing. Sometimes he seems like good guys, sometimes not so good. Um, mostly our misconception. But okay. You haven't seen God until now. Now you're looking at him. You have no excuse. There I, here I am. You can know exactly what God's like. God's a God of love and compassion, and somebody doesn't put up with your silly legalism. That's who God is. And we're going to skip down for just two more verses, and we're just about finished. He says to these folks, you search the Scriptures because... Now, studying your Bible is great. We all need to do it, right? But you think they, the Scriptures, give you eternal life. That's bad theology. But the Scriptures do have a purpose. They point to me. (laughs) The source of eternal life. 
Yet you refuse to come to me and receive this life. What he says is this. You've chosen your interpretation, interpretation of Scripture, over a living demonstration of Scripture. Me, God. You no longer have an excuse. It's crystal clear what God is like, which means what we're supposed to be like. And I added a few things. If, you, if, we, if we get this right, the world changes. The whole world changes. How do we know this? Because it happened 2,000 years ago, first century. What happened? The church got this right, and it turned the world upside down. And within 300 years, it became the religion of Rome, the same Romans who had killed Jesus. We're not turning the world upside down today, are we, the church? And back to the people. The person beside you has to take priority over, I'm using this word on purpose, flawed view that you carry around inside. You might call it your We all have prejudices. The person beside you, no matter what ethnicity, color, sex, uh, religious persuasion, whatever, the person beside you has priority over our flawed view that we carry around inside. We all have flawed views. I'm embarrassed about some of the things I actually taught as a pastor 40 years ago, almost 40 years ago. God is merciful and gracious. Hopefully I'm not preaching stupid stuff now, but anyway, I did. Now this is a human thing. It's not a Christian thing. Prejudice is a everybody thing. Is there not absolutes? Sure, there's absolutes. But almost always, don't we know the answer to this question? What does love require of me in this situation? What does love require of me? So, again, Jesus says, I've come to show you how to get it right. To love, like I love. But when you don't, and we don't always get it right, do we? I choose or I've chosen to pay for it. I'm going to give my life for it. So, come follow me. Now, one more statement. We should want this to be true before we're even convinced it's true. Shouldn't we? If you're not a Jesus follower, especially. So, I'm going to give you another think about. Maybe your think about is... Do you really want to get well? But here's another one. Does your version of religion or politics or whatever get in the way of loving people that God loves, which is all people? If so, you and I have what? The wrong version of religion or politics. Let's pray and have a song. Let's go. Father God, thank you. Thank you so much for this, this uh, miraculous sign, as John calls it, evidence, the fact that you are who you said you were. We thank you that <clears throat> we are under grace, not under 600-some laws, some of them silly, some that are actually to harm people, not to help people, not to love people, but to condemn people. God, forgive us for teaching dumb stuff. Forgive us for not always loving people, condemning people, pointing our finger at people, looking at specs instead of the law in our own eyes. Forgive us. And even without Jesus, we pray that if not today, that soon these evidences 
would lead you to the place to say, yes, I believe Jesus wasn't a lunatic, he wasn't a liar, he was truly the Lord Jesus Christ. I choose to believe. And since the name we pray, amen.